Magnum TA here, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And as usual, I am here with my main homie, my tag team partner through this thing called life, the wild one, old hoot, chic, <laughs> Jared Street. What's up, brother? How oh, much, brother? How about you? That's a, it's quite an introduction. That's a, that's a new one. Yeah, I'm the... Uh... Hoot to my punky. I'm the hoot to your punky, the animal to your hawk. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the Davy to I, my I, dynamite. Yeah. Am I the Marty to your uh, Sean? I don't know. Oh, I, I think I'm Marty in that one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm the anvil to your bread. How about that? I'm there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's about right. Well, cool, man. Well, you know, today we are talking wrestling feuds. And as usual, we're doing it with the Sheik's patented Mount Rushmore system. So, you know, we were like kind of thinking of ideas and stuff. And, you know, you were like, how about we do wrestling feuds, uh, Mount Rushmore of wrestling feuds? Because, you know, we could get really down deep into this. But I like that you kind of said, let's limit it to a Mount Rushmore. And it makes sense. So, you know, we came up with our Mount Rushmore's and we're going to kind of present our thoughts on them. I've actually got some good and detailed notes here. And, you know, I don't really want to say this is like a one, two, three, four system, but I kind of did it this way just to, you know, kind of, I don't know, make things easier. But I guess, you know, the idea of a feud is basically the basis of great pro wrestling, is it not? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you were just going out there and just having matches, yeah, that could be great and everything like that. But if you had no skin in the game or something like that, then it doesn't mean as much. I mean, going back as far, you know, as, you know, like Lou Fez and some of them, they had rivals. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, what would you, what would you do if you, if nobody ever had a rival that they had to worry about uh, losing their status to and everything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's natural, right? It's just a yeah. it's a natural thing. I love it. So, you know, we are talking feuds today to kind of go back a little bit as we do our little retracing of our our show here. We did have a, a couple great episodes here recently. One of them is I brought our friend of the show, old buddy of mine, the Dragon Scott Lee. They did a tribute show to my buddy Ken Steele. It was called the Mardi Gras Brawl. I, go back and listen to that episode, even though you you maybe didn't make it to the the show, you can still listen to our conversation, which was awesome. Then we also had in the same week, so that was a special bonus episode that I did the interview on, but then the episode after that that dropped on the normal Thursday was, of course, the Ace of Belts Dave Milliken, and man, that was a great interview. Had a lot of fun with that one. You know, Yeah, man, great stuff. He's a he's, you can tell he's just a genuine man, and you know, like I said, people don't have to be good to us or don't owe us anything and and from what we've experienced people are just 
you know, willing to talk and willing to give their time. I mean, and he is so, it just so knowledgeable, so interesting, such a just a good conversation. Even though he knows and and you know he knows and has contact with some of the biggest names in the business, but he's just a regular good guy. You know that's just what you got to say about him. I I, yeah. I I didn't feel any kind of airs about him. He was confident in in his in his abilities, obviously. So to know that guy is a friend of the show. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just stoked to say that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the one thing that got me more than anything, like to show you what type of person he is, is when you mentioned your buddy, Ken, like, you know, like he didn't, you knew right away the way he talked, he knew Ken, you know, he knew, he knew he'd passed and, you know, he was saddened by that fact. And, you know, he could have, we could have just been brushed over that segment, but he spent a few minutes talking with you about Ken and yeah, that, that, that just, that shows you what type of person he is. It grounded him yeah. in my mind and yeah. not in a bad way, but in a good no. way, just, you know, super genuine dude, super talented, super important, super genuine dude. And that's pretty much what the, I mean, that's pretty much the goal of this show, I think, is to present those people just like Jeff Daniels, just like our buddy Cassidy Riley, who just retired from the ring and, you know, looking like a million dollars. So I know big things are in his future, maybe in Hollywood. We'll see. Absolutely. but. But anyway, long story short, we we just try to present the real side of these amazing people in this business that we've loved all of our life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's kind of our show. And if that's the theme of the show, then I'm happy with that. You know, so simply, yeah, simply put, we're two brothers that love pro wrestling and love to talk about it. And we basically record our conversations. But in the long run, if we can represent pro wrestling at its realest and in, at its truest form of, hey, these people are real. They've got real stories. And these stories need to be heard if you've never heard them before. So I think that when I explain this show, I just actually at Dairy Queen the other day, I was picking up something and I was talking to the guy and he was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a podcaster. And he's like, oh, really? What do you podcast? I'm like, well, I have a couple of wrestling shows and, you know, we do some fun stuff. And he's like, oh, pro wrestling. Okay, cool, man. And I mean, I described it as, you know, a real glimpse behind the, the curtain of these people and and a real glimpse into pro wrestling and i think that's that's what i love about this show so yeah absolutely man so we got a big show today i don't want to I don't want to take up too much time. Obviously, you know, this is the intro of the show. So, Sheik, you got anything you'd like to share with the people today? Just buckle up and get ready to hear our list of these feuds, man. These feuds probably shaped us in our love of wrestling. So, no, it'll be worthwhile to hear. I think that's perfect. I I agree. It's like the Hatfields and them old McCoys, you know, but (laughs) anyway, I always hated that Southwest Virginia wasn't represented in that. You had West Virginia and Kentucky. Kentucky, right. You didn't have a family down in Southwest Virginia ready (laughs) to fight. Anyway. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there was. Yeah. (laughs) We're all just hillbillies anyway, so we're good, but. You know, the long story on that one is feuds are a basic and 
absolute necessity of a great pro wrestling storyline. And I can't wait to dig into these. So why don't we take us a quick break here and we'll be right back with the Mount Rushmore of Wrestling Feuds. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. All right, we're back with the official Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Mount Rushmore of Wrestling Feuds. Man, that's a mouthful right there. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Got me tongue twisted for you there. Yeah, it was it was a trick. So anyway, to kind of go over some quick feuds, and I don't want to name too many here because I don't want to get into it, but there are certain ones that, you know, like the Von Erics and the Freebirds, Brody and Abdullah, Austin and The Rock, Sting and the NWO, Rock and Roll in the Midnights, Hogan and Andre, Hogan and Macho, Hogan and Piper, Ric Flair and Great Muda, Sting Great Muda, Vince, Stone Cold, Brett, Hart, HBK, Dusty, the Horseman, Hogan. I mean, it's so many to name, but we had to pick our top four. <laughs> so yeah. this was hard. Yeah, I didn't give us. I didn't give us the fifth option like I do the guests. We have. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we don't get. <laughs> Yeah, we don't get the liberties that we give to our guests, so it's okay. But you know, this was hard, man. This was not easy. Oh, very hard. And you know, we talked about it a little bit. Our list, and you know, a lot of times we don't share a list completely with each other before, but we kind of wanted to, you know, see where each other were at. And you know, I yeah. made a couple of changes at the last minute because I thought, you know, man, we need to include at least one more of these that we didn't get in our, our initial lists. Kind of, yeah. Um, I took yeah. one. I took one that you had that's very dear to me and I took it out just so I could include uh, this one that I think it would be um, terrible if we miss. So we'll talk about that more when we get to the point. Yeah, I like that. And I agree with you. The one that you put in in place of the one, I think it's a must have on any list. I didn't put it on mine, but again, I just, the way that I looked at it, I was was like, okay, these, these four, I always just try to remove all of them until I can't remove any. And that's generally when I come up with my four. Again, you know, it's a Mount Rushmore. It's not really necessarily in an order. I will just say this, that I'm trying to represent the majority because honestly, all four of these could be my number one. And I would be cool with that if we were numbering them. So the way that I look at it is, if you want to do like George Washington, Washington to Abraham Lincoln. I don't really care about that. We'll just name them here. You know, I tell you what, you know, I'm kind of running my mouth a lot. So why don't I let you go first on this one, Sheik, and start with your first Mount Rushmore of wrestling feud. So first in the order, I'm going to talk about it. It's, it's, this one would not be first if I was listing them in order. I'll just say that. Um, Yeah. 
But this, like, when I when I watch videos of this, or when I, um, you know, hear it, or when I see it, just see a picture, it it brings back such good memories of my childhood, um, of watching wrestling. Uh, but it's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, yeah, as, as the announced team. Man, that's outside the box. I like that one. So it's out very outside the box, and uh, people who know me know I like that. I like outside the box. But just to hear them, the the banter they had, and the charisma and chemistry they had together, like to know that Gorilla was a was a heel in wrestling when he was active in the ring. It, it is so as it, you you don't really realize that he was a heel then, and then he's the straight man in the in the feud with him and uh, Heenan, it's like they they just bounce off each other. And, you know, he just is always uh, criticizing Bobby for being a heel Will you stop? and everything like that. It's just, <laughs> it's just amazing at, at the way they can, um, the way that the, the chemistry they have is just off the charts. Oh, no joke. And, you know, we talked about it when we had Gene Jackson on the show and we talked about, you know, listening to, to Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. That was my favorite combo with Jesse in it. But Brain and Gorilla from that primetime TV show that they did from calling matches. You're right. I mean, that, yeah, you know, the funny thing, and I think everybody knows this is no secret, but they were like best friends. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Best and they were. They rode together when the day Gorilla died on Nitro. Bobby Heenan cried. Before we start with tonight's action, Brain, there's something we both, but particularly you, have to say about our longtime friend, Gorilla Monsoon. A gorilla will be sadly missed. Now, he was one big tough man. He was a decent, honest man. And we're all going to miss him very much. And you know the pearly gates in heaven? Yeah. It's now going to be called the Gorilla Position. Goodbye, my friend. Very well said, Bobby. The brain heat and he is going to be sorely missed. And, you know, there's so many cool things about their story. But if you were just to listen to them as a full believing wrestling fan, you would think they hated each other. You would think that they could not stand the sight of each other, that they were literally forced to work together. It's it's just such great chemistry between those two guys. Yeah, and it was just, uh, you know, you're talking about that. I, when I I kind of fell down a rabbit hole looking up their videos, uh, yeah, sounds familiar or something, doesn't it? I don't know. Wait, Wait, what is it? She might fell have, down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. Might, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but but there were there were like I mean like times they were like not nowhere near a wrestling ring and they were like I don't know. Gorilla was supposedly on vacation and Heenan's like coming to visit him on vacation. And he's like, why are you here? <laughs> I love the one where they were in that old West town on that. Yeah, that's, I mean, like yeah. that, those are awesome stuff. I mean, like um, you could, you could pretty much put them in any environment and they could, they could make it entertaining. Um, totally. Totally. It was many movies for us. You know what I mean? And yeah. what's your favorite match that they called? Do you think? Mm. Man, it's it's tough. Um, Royal Rumble '92 would that be one? I mean, yeah, '92 Royal Rumble is awful. It, it, that that's that's so cliche for me because that's one of my favorite uh, things in wrestling history. But it, it's probably that because Brain is so nervous about uh, Flair. Flair being third in there. Yeah, yeah. Gorilla just like 
like well, you're done now, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, I know it's it's not fair to Flair, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so probably that. Yeah, that's true. I love it. I love. There's it. There's so many more though. It's 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 probably unfair to just have that one, but it, they're they're just. Um, I, I couldn't. I kept trying to not include them because of they were announcers at this point, um, but they were both so instrumental in in wrestling history. I mean. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon had a thing with Muhammad Ali back in the day. And, I know. Yeah. And and Bobby Heenan was so underrated as a worker. Um, just, you know, maybe not the purest wrestler, but it just, he could, he could make you entertained when he got in that ring. I mean, I, I think he's a, one of the greatest workers of all time because he did just that. He worked. I mean, here you ask Ric Flair. I, I remember listening to Ric Flair about his talking about a Mount Rushmore. He included Vince McMahon, you know, for what he did for pro wrestling. And he also included Bobby Heenan, which, you know, is, is crazy because Bobby Heenan is just a manager to a lot of people. But in the long run, as a worker, you know, when I did managing, guys would tell me, no, man, you're a worker. You got to think of yourself as that, and you're working the people. So anyway, yeah. love that. Great, great deal. Excellent feud. Nothing, nothing can really top that as far as announced teams go. You know. So my, I'm going to go out with a big one right now, and and you know I've got quite a bit of notes here with them. Of course, I'm the idiot that overnotes. I overnote. Is that a new term? <laughs> overnote. Anyway, well, this this my very first one that I'm going to put on the Mount Rushmore wrestling feuds is one of the greatest of all time. And no question is Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You know, it's a famous trilogy that actually ended in a tie. They tied themselves, essentially. In 1989, Steamboat won at the Chi-Town Rumble, and then a controversial finish happened at the Clash, and then Flair won back the title at WrestleWar. So, you know, it started in 1977, actually, with the TV title. A lot of people don't know it goes back that far, but back in Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Georgia Championship, all these, you know, great companies that they worked in, but Ricky and Rick actually started their feud in 77 with an NWA Mid-Atlantic TV title. Weren't they actually trained together by Vern or, or around yes. the same time? Kind of? Yeah. 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 They were in the same class in that crazy that one, man. Crazy. In, in that class together. That's it is crazy. So it's almost like it was destiny, you know? Yeah. What's funny is I've read that Steamboat actually preferred Flair over Randy Savage, you know, so a lot of people consider that WrestleMania three to be the greatest match of all time, but Steamboat actually preferred Flair because, you know, Flair called it in the ring and, you know, Steamboat loved that. He preferred that as well, you know? Yeah. Flair, you know, the first world title match was in 84 at the NWA Night of Champions. So that was the first time that Ricky wrestled the nature boy for the heavyweight title and, and steamboats, honestly, you know, we can say sting and, and this may be controversial to say, but Flair's last major rival before Hulk took over the WCW basically. So once Hulk came in, Flair's rival was Hulk, you know what I mean? But yeah. up until that point, that was pretty much his last major rival. I, I guess sting is kind of his eternal rival, but 
you know, it's kind of a controversial statement that I just said there. So Steamboat actually retired in 94. He was going to come back in 2000 in Ring of Honor to work against CM Punk, but Flair actually ended up talking him out of that, saying he didn't, you know, think he should ruin his legacy by coming back. Flair told somebody not to come back. I mean, yeah. Woo! Anyway, yeah, his actual final match was on a WCW Saturday night uh, in 1994, and Flair actually booked the match because he was on the booking team. And, and so, and actually, the the most recent deal with Rick that he just did the Rick Flair's last match. It was supposed to be a, a six man tag team match. The first I heard was it was going to be FTR and Steamboat Flair and and Jay Lethal and and somebody else. That was early on, and then it turned into Steamboat actually ended up declining that match. I honestly think that he didn't think Flair could still go. You know what I mean? I almost yeah. feel that. And so then Steamboat ended up having his own final match <laughs> at Big Time Wrestling in North Carolina. It's it's kind of crazy how things ended for those guys. It would have been cool to see them one last time, but if neither one of them can do what they used to do, I would rather just leave the memories alone, right? You know, leave them there. Leave the memories alone! So... Yeah, it's I mean, why would you want to see Flair and Steamboat go out there at their respective ages? What is it like? Steamboat's like 68, 69, and Flair's uh, 70. 73, 72, yeah, 70, something like that. Yeah, why would you want to diminish everything they had with that trilogy with a match that gets them paid, but it really doesn't mean anything? And doesn't, yeah, to all respects to both of them, I'd. I didn't see the steamboat last match, um, but you know, flares, it had some good spots in it, but he wasn't Ric Flair. I mean, right. For whatever reason, I, he, and, and how can you expect him to be? I, I didn't expect him to be everything he's ever been in the ring either. So absolutely agree. And you, you're, you hit it on the head there. So anyway, you know, that's my first one. Which yeah. of the trilogy is your favorite match? Man, I think the one in Nashville. I think the one where Flair wins it back. I think that's my favorite. I think I've always preferred the Chi-Town Rumble match, but it's a great match. No get. No I, I, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know. It just seems like that one always pops in my head when I think of that trilogy is the Chi-Town Rumble match. But I loved the finish at the at the clash, the controversial finish. You know, Flair's yeah. feet are on the ropes. Vacate the title, la di da. I I love it, but yeah, it's crazy that they basically their their trilogy ended in a tie. Which you think in a trilogy somebody's going to go up two to one, you know? But right, yeah. Anyway, no, never going to be another feud like that. I know there's several people that probably have tried to make a feud similar to that, but never going to. Dave be Meltzer, I hope you're not listening to this. With he just said that. Yes, eight. eight that, I give it ten stars out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I mean, I, I think if Meltzer rates some of these matches these days so high, he needs to go back and uh, redo fix. his system. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fix his system because there's, you know, there he just gave this recent Kenny Omega Vikingo match five stars, and you know, man, I didn't like that Kenny was placing himself a lot of places. I, I really didn't enjoy. I hate that transparency of making yeah. it. You know, it just takes me out of the match. And, and it was extremely talented guys going at it. I don't want to get off on that, but 
I just hate that the telegraph moves, man. Can't get with them. Never will be. Yeah. These guys back in the day made it look so much more easy than than they do now. But that's why we're here. Give me back my pro wrestling, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, brother. What's your second one? My second one, you know, when you think about feuds, especially early on building the WWF into the WWE and the product it is and would forever be, Hulk Hogan needed a foil. And what better foil than Rowdy Roddy Piper? Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you can think about things like this and there will be some people who say, their feud wasn't fully flushed out. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't fully, fully given everything it should. And that's true, but it, it was still there and it's still very meaningful. And you got it in the cartoon and you got it in know, WCW and you got it uh, all over the place. And it was great to see, you know, Hulk Hogan have somebody like that. Now, Piper probably did mess up some stuff and could have had a better feud if he had, uh, you know, trusted himself, trusted everything for him not to be buried or whatever like that. I think he was a little bit worried and he didn't want to be pinned by Mr. T, which I, I can understand that. For Um, sure. Yeah. He was kind of paranoid and that's natural, you know, right. Especially with your spot you've getting, if you think he's fought so hard to get to the number one heel in the WWF fought and worked so hard for that to be paranoid a little bit. It's natural, man. Who wouldn't, yeah. especially when they just brought in this golden God, you know, yeah. that is, is going to be your rival and in all points you know is your is your superior in a sense to the people you know this i thought hulk hogan was invincible you know what i mean so yeah anyway Uh, did you know that um i didn't know this till doing a little research on that piper won their first ever match Um, it it was a count out it was like at a house show in boston or something like that Um, i didn't i didn't i didn't know that um they wrestled more on wcw than in WWE. Yeah. So their feud was more a thought basically than, than actually in the ring. in WWF. Yeah. Yeah. And they wrestled at the first non WrestleMania pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The, the wrestling classic event, I think is what it was called. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of crazy, like little snippets about the stuff. Um, you know, when he came out at Halloween Havoc 96 at the very end of the program, I remember popping big time. Yeah, because uh, they Bischoff had sold it like we're he's not going to nobody's going to be here, this kind of thing. And this was right at the time that Bischoff was about to go heel, too. You know what I mean? So it was right. kind of all coinciding. And Piper comes out and basically calls out Bischoff and Bischoff. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off on this, but no, I, I, I love this era of WCW. You know, Bischoff's like, hey, yeah, I tried to sign you. And he's like, was it a curvy road or was it a, you know, a, yeah. a straight road? I, it's some great stuff that Piper did there man he yeah, basically man, it, flushed the bish off out you know he exposed him right he yeah exposed, it was great a secret um you know it's the the big thing that got confusing for people if you remember right uh at the so at halloween havoc he comes out then they they wrestle at starcade 96 and piper beats him but yeah. it wasn't for the title and everybody was like well I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's like the biggest. So it's like if we had Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes coming up at WrestleMania here, and like, oh, but it's not for the title. It's yeah, like, it was it's lame. Like, yeah, it's like what the crap. It's like I remember that it was lame. You know, which probably explains why they put Piper over since it wasn't for the title. Of so. course, <laughs> but it just uh, and one great thing I've loved about this feud, why I had to include it. So in WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, in their time there in the eighties. The heel was Piper, the face Hogan. Yeah. Well, they did in WCW. Piper was always face, and Hogan was, I think, always heel when they wrestled. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. can't. Maybe there was one time they were both face at near the end or something like that. But maybe. But it, but it just shows you what a great feud it was to take it. You know, in the '80s they worked face heel, and then in the '90s they flipped it and did the other way. So I mean. Yeah. For both wrestlers to do that, that shows talent and shows chemistry on their part. And, you know, I always, no matter what, I always think of um, Piper as as probably Hogan's greatest uh, opponent, uh, just, just for like a fit-wise. You know, people are going to say Andre, but, man, Andre... He I was always over Andre. I think. Yeah, I would too. I would too. There's that. There's a huge moment at WrestleMania three with Andre, but it's they just didn't have enough of it for me yeah. to be be above right. that. But Macho Macho is a very good one. Um, there felt some there. There did feel some realness between Macho and Hogan, and I think there was. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of, go to the Live Wolfie D YouTube channel if you want to see some realness about the Macho Man. That's coming out on the George Weingroff episode, by the way. On Woo. so anyway, y'all check maybe that too, one out. Yeah, maybe too real for me. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. It's uh, but they had their they had their moment, and you know, Andre and and uh, Hogan had their big moment uh, where he ripped the chain off of Hogan. Uh, yeah, it was it was on Piper's pit. So, I mean, if Andre and Hogan had it been at WrestleMania one, man, that might have been a match. You know what I mean? But it was almost like Andre progressed poor. It really, really just degraded his health, degraded so badly by WrestleMania three. He was a, he was really starting to show that it, it, he was very immobile. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's sad to think that that. What could have been and what might have been, but what happened was amazing. You know, like 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 I've heard all the time, seven hundred pounds. I shredded my entire back; my whole spine had to be replaced. <laughs> you know, I'm still yeah. holding him up in the air, the stinky giant. You know, so, yeah. With villa, and then Piper always said he had villagers in his teeth and stuff. I, you know, Piper. That's another thing about Piper is Piper could smoke you on the microphone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh yeah, you, you wouldn't even know what happening to you, you know. So you'd be you'd be twelve sentences behind, and he's already smoked you twice, and you're like, yeah, huh? you're like, what? <laughs> the, the biggest the biggest miss of this feud, though, to me, and why, if I was ranking it, it wouldn't be top for me, uh, would be the fact that I wish we had a WWF right after WrestleMania one somewhere. I wish Piper takes the title somehow, and then you get WrestleMania, another another big event or something like that, and and Hogan takes it back. That's 
that's what was missing from this is is that is that Piper never had that WWF title. Yeah, maybe like he could have won it at Survivor Series or or even SummerSlam, held on to it. And I know these the events didn't exist yet, but what I mean, he could have won it around that time of those events that are gonna come. And then yeah. what happens then is at the WrestleMania two, instead of King Kong Bundy, it's him and Piper in a cage where Hogan comes out victorious. You know, you don't want Piper to win the title at Mania one, but you also yeah don't want him to you know get you want him to have a good run with it so i it's it seems simple now but there's got to be a million reasons why it didn't happen other than you know the fact that probably vince just thought he had everything in hogan and that was the deal you know and and did you all say on the thunder and paradise episode that then you or Gene once said that Piper said, I don't know if I would drop it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was actually Dave Milliken that said that. So. Oh, yeah, it was Milliken. Yeah, sorry. Confusing yeah. my episodes. Go back and listen to both of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so next up for me, I've got the – this is a tough one here too because this one actually could be the ultimate one, but it is – WCW versus WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it. But basically, you know, it dates back to NWA Jim Crockett. Vince always tried to beat them, whether it was with pay-per-views, cable companies, whatever. He tried to double book. I mean, there was one where you couldn't get WrestleMania if you bought Starcade, Survivor Series, I'm sorry, or Starcade. So he he gave it some things away just to cause problems with them and he told cable companies if you carry that one you can't have wrestlemania or you can't have mine i mean it was dastardly from the start and then you know flair takes the big gold to stanford and then that you know kind of continues it that that's to me this is the early stages of what became the wwf wcw feud and then you know, polka dot dusty. Think about that. That's Vince sticking a rib to one of his greatest rivals, one of the greatest wrestling minds of all time, ran out in polka dots and got it over like a dream would. You know, yeah. one of the big things, the big shot is obviously Eric Bischoff gets approved for a Monday night show. And basically he said, Ted Turner's like, I want to go head to head with him. And of course, WWF had never had anybody go head to head with them. Of course, they had their Monday night raw, which Monday Night Raw was a legendary idea anyway because it took them out of syndication and put them into a live taped format where it was something regular that you could count on being there versus, you know, like Saturdays or Sundays or whatever you would see superstars and that kind of stuff. But again, it took them out of syndication and put them into a primetime deal. And then Ted Turner is like, I want to get in the wrestling business. And then long story, we've heard this all before, but Bischoff becomes president and then they put together a plan they put monday nitro on the air and then lex luger he defects basically showing up on the very first monday nitro just after SummerSlam. okay so he kind of did that thing where i was on one thing and now i'm on this thing and you know he wanted to come back to wcw so much i think he was making about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year at wwe i think that was his contract and you know luger's one of those first time guys that really actually made his, you know, guaranteed contracts. Bischoff, knowing that Luger's kind of a pain in the butt, you know, he's a little bit of a pain in the butt. So, see, I'm saying good words because I know my little niece and nephew are listening. <laughs> I 
can figure. <laughs> and they'll call you out on it. They will definitely call you out on it. So never say anything about Eligante and a box. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so he's, he's kind of a pain in the butt. Basically, he comes back. $750,000 contract in WWF. He wants to leave so bad. He accepts a $150,000 contract. And essentially Bischoff has said that it was a, it was a conditional deal. I really didn't want Luger. Sting was saying good things. Hey, bring him back. So he takes a $150,000 deal. He shows that he's in a good mindset and then he gets him back up to where he was with the WWF very soon much after that. But it proved to Bischoff that Luger was in it to win it why i'm getting to this is basically luger shows up on the very first nitro everybody's thinking all oh, this dude he's a longtime nwa guy but at the same time this dude's a wwf guy so nwo appears very soon in 96 and it is thought to be wwf at that time they are you know scott hall they think he's razor ramon hey wait a minute i can't believe it. i can't believe what i'm saying this, you people what's with him here you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me? I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh where, is Scheme Gene? Cause I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll look-alike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight. I got a challenge for him, for Billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Kevin Nash, they think he's Diesel. So they think the WWF was attacking. And honestly, that is the start of the Attitude Era. I know the WWF coined that term, but the NWO started the Attitude Era, in my opinion. NWO. So this is just kind of continuing their rivalry. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But no, that's such a great, you know, such a great point. And no matter what you want to say, they started that first Nitro where... Luger shows up at the end. That's kind of one of the first shots of the real, real war, I think, between mm -hmm. between the two companies. And then it just intensifies. And, you know, WCW did something that probably many didn't think they could do for a long time. And, yeah, yeah it, it was just great to watch and a great time to be a wrestling fan. 
absolutely is. And so then WCW wins for 83 weeks in a row, really on the backs of NWO and Hogan's heel turn. And 83 weeks, they beat the biggest, the NFL of wrestling. And, uh, you know, that's impressive. Now, of course, on the other channel, they're not going down lightly because roughly around this time, 97, 98, there starts the Stone Cold McMahon feud. I think you might hear a little bit about this later but anyway they're they're fighting back they're not going to go down lightly they've obviously got guys like stone cold the rock mankind undertaker heartbreak kid triple h dx you know all these things i don't care what you say dx is a rip off of the nwo but anyway i mean we can't like it too though Right. You can like it too. But then also WCW isn't just NWO. They have great guys like Sting doing a crow gimmick. You've got DDP. You've got Macho Man. You've got all these great guys that are not, you know, Scott Steiner. There's some big names. Booker T. You got some great names. So really they're not going down lightly. Then of course you got, you know, the crow Sting working against the Hulk Hogan gimmick, which, you know, if that, the Sting NWO feud is kind Kind of the top tier feud compared to the McMahon Austin feud, you know, and then, you know, you get into it and then DX invades WCW. You can't forget about that. Of course, then the 1997 Montreal screw job. And of course that leads to Bret Hart coming to WCW. So that is kind of a shot that, you know, I, I hate that he did that. Honestly, either I wish he would have been there earlier where he could have really got a lot out of his career and then, of course, Goldberg, unfortunately, ends his career, sadly. I just feel like Bret Hart, you know, McMahon told Bret, they won't know what to do with you there. And that just shows how smart Vince is, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, And then, of course, the massive monster Goldberg shows up and he, he commits to his streak. And I'm just kind of going over these options of this war here between these two. WCW also has some great time with the radicals you know of course you had all these great cruiserweights like benoit malenko jericho ray mysterio and then of course a lot of the mexican guys so unfortunately what ends up happening with wcw one thing is they get a merger with aol time warner time warner aol merger was not good for wcw because aol took over and they didn't really care for pro wrestling they thought it was too expensive they could run another show with they could run episodes of Law and Order in its place. You know, TNT's deal back in the day, we were like, TNT, we know drama. And it's like, okay, yeah, you've got great drama with WCW, but they're pushing it out, thinking they can just run another syndicated show and not spend the money that they're spending on WCW. Of course, then they get freaked out, and so they bring in this guy that had been working very well in the Attitude Era under Vince McMahon in the booking committee with with Vince McMahon. You had Vince Russo. So WCW thinks, well, let's bring the guy in that has all the, he's the creative guy so bring him in to WCW. And personally, all due respect, he basically kills WCW. He does not have Vince to rein him in. And to me, Russo kind of ended it. Of course, 2001, Vince wins and buys WCW. Do you think yeah. that, uh, I don't know, have you ever heard the the thing that they think Vince basically 
let Russo go to them because he knew he would ruin it? I mean, like, <laughs> or do you think he was some kind of plant? Or, I mean, I don't know. It's a possibility, man. Who knows? You know, you wouldn't. But, I mean, you probably never know that answer, but yeah. And then, of course, you know, 2001, Vince McMahon buys the company and he now is the owner of WCW for a paltry two million dollars. And, you know, part of the deal is there is Bischoff had a company that was going to buy it. But I think it was the deal was as they were trying to stay on TNT. I don't think AOL really gave a crap about that. They would rather someone take it and leave rather than try to pay more and stay. So Vince takes the takes WCW, turns it into a horrible storyline. I love the start of it. I love the idea of it. The invasion angle made total sense. I love the WrestleMania when you saw a lot of those power plant guys show up. And dude, it was great. It got me excited. You saw Booker T there. But all the major names that that were still locked up in contracts got to sit at home and get paid because of the, the buyout and stuff. So Vince didn't bring in the real big names that you wanted to see. They, he got them eventually but at first it was you know the the young guys and unfortunately they just didn't have it and that invasion angle you add in ecw and it just doesn't end up correctly that gets all mixed up and jericho should have been here i don't know if i believe austin being in the wcw side that makes sense yeah it doesn't so anyway that's basically the run of the wcw versus wwf feud i think it was legendary in my wrestling fandom but you know absolutely a great feud and it has to be there on the list in my opinion of the mount rushmore yeah i mean it's um again like like i said with the piper and hogan feud it it was missing this what i'll say that the wwcw feud was missing is that that ending of a great um like invasion angle like you didn't have Sting. You didn't have the Outsiders. You didn't have Hogan. You didn't have uh, Macho. You didn't have Luger. You didn't have Goldberg. I mean, like, yeah. so much you didn't have. You didn't. They didn't have Flair at that time. Did they have Flair at that? No, no, no. no. Flair came. See all. Ahead. See all those guys were on guaranteed contracts that, that lasted. That was from that AOL Time Warner had to pay, um, and I think the other guys weren't. Right, they were just under, under WCW contracts. Right, so they were they were bought up. The contracts were, but the other ones were still getting paid to sit at home. Basically, Kevin Nash is like, "Why would I want to go on the road when I'm sit home and do nothing and make money?" So, I mean, he's he's well off and and he's not an he's not an idiot. He's a very intelligent man. All those guys, I think they had great you know, great potential to make it a great thing. I mean, can you imagine? And I think the idea for a what if on the invasion angle is something huge for us because, you know, can you imagine a Goldberg led invasion with, you know, you don't even have to have Hogan Nash and Hall. You can have DDP. You can have, Oh, yeah, they didn't have DDP either, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, you can have Goldberg, DDP, Sting, I mean, Scott Steiner, Ray Mysterio. You can have all these guys, bring them in, boom, 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 huge deal. That could have been massive. But instead, hey, you got the Mark Jendrak and Chuck Palumbo and, you know, God love them. My my other problem, too, is Vince, with very few exceptions – Always seem to bury the WCW talent. Totally, 
totally very few exceptions which they, is why sting didn't want to come in right but i mean you know really a ray mysterium booker t i mean you know that's kind of the two that and he gave that stalker angle with ddp and that was yeah. weird too i mean like this DDP should have came in and worked the rock immediately for the people's champion gimmick, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But oh, well, well. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's a what if for us. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a what if in the future. So, yeah, I think that's our first two. I think those were great. I definitely enjoyed that. We'll take a break, listen to a couple of our buddies' commercials, and we'll be right back after these messages with more. The Mount Rushmore of Pro Wrestling Feuds. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders, you can check them all out and much more over at Cheap Heat TV Live. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. All right, we are back with the Mount Rushmore of Pro Wrestling Feuds. And Sheik, I just talked a whole bunch about WCW and WWF. But as our normal way to go, I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. Let's go. I'm ready for it. All right. Sounds good. Got this going here. This one is tough. This one could have been the ultimate one for me because of the way that I think about these two. But when it comes down to it, you've got the Rock and Roll Express. Versus the Midnight Express. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's easy. If you do the music, I don't have to play the music. If you do that, <laughs> I don't think we'll get a copyright strike on YouTube. So just keep doing that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The best tag team feud of all time, right? Is there a better one? There is not a better one. Um this is the one that I removed from my list because I knew you had it on there. <laughs> and I was like, we could talk, I get to talk about this and I could have this, I could have another one on my list. Basically this made room for gorilla and Bobby, the brain Heenan to be on the list. So I love it. I love so it. So we're going to, so we're going to, we're going to talk about this amazing feud that if it weren't for, uh, you know, some of the people being out of the business or passed away, unfortunately, yeah. Um, this could still be ongoing today. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it started in the Mid-South. Of course, that's the Bill Watts territory, which was odd because Bill always loved the tough guys. You know what I mean? He wasn't necessarily a pretty boy guy. And these guys, even though they weren't pretty boys, the Midnight Express at the same time kind of portrayed that role. They were not like your tough heels. So with that being said, you know, obviously they started in the Mid-South. The scaffold match they did long before the Skywalkers, actually. I know Memphis actually originally originated the scaffold match, but as a million other things, but they did a scaffold match long before the Skywalkers. And then of course they both come to JCP in 1985. And then this is really cool. And I I think I never thought about this, but the rock and roll actually won the gold the very first night. Who'd they beat? Was it the Russians? Yes, my brother. Yes, very nice. Yadua. Uncle Ivan. Uncle Ivan. (laughs) Uncle Ivan. I tell you, Megan T.A. I always love it. Megan T.A. Megan T.A. I tell you. Well, he always talked like that. It's so funny. Got to meet him. Great guy. So Condry left the Midnight. So this is, of course, the greatest villain tag team, in my opinion. They are just so good. Of course, you have to include Jim Cornette. Just has to be in that crew. But Loverboy Dennis Condry left in 1987, and Stan Lane came in. And honestly, it was one of the smoothest transitions I think you could ever have for a tag team. You know, Dennis Condry is probably much more of the better worker in the ring, but Stan also had that element of kind of like, okay, no weird here. The dude's a good looking dude, you know? So he's, he's kind of elevates them in the looks department, but at the same time, he doesn't drop them down. I mean, he's had a legendary team in the fabulous ones with Steve Kern. So it's not like Stan's a chump. I'm just saying Dennis Condry is, is the worker of the bunch there, but you got Bobby, he takes care of that. So you can let Stan be the, be the pretty boy of the team. So this feud with the rock and roll that spanned actual 35 years man and you know even up into the wwf where they brought in the rock and roll and and this fake midnight express team with bob holly and uh bart Bart, yeah and it was horrible of course the rock and roll are great and they're doing their thing and they've got the nwa tag team titles in this but midnight express man i just don't i don't like that it had nothing to do with the two guys that i mean of course bobby didn't have anything to do with the original of norvell austin randy rose and dennis condry but at the same time when it turns into this i just hated it and so you know jim Cornette, honestly though was just as important to the Midnights as as the two guys in the ring. Now, the Midnights actually ended, this was their official end on the main stage of WCW when Jim and Stan quit after losing a match at Halloween Havoc 1990 to Tommy Rich and who? Mm, I don't know. I can't remember. Ricky Morton. And so oh. it's kind of funny that that happened, right? Because Robert was out yeah. with a hurt leg. And then, oh, yeah, hurt leg, yeah. Yeah, Ricky was a heel at that time, and he was in the York Foundation. And so as they quit, Eaton actually got a singles push because of his loyalty to WCW. And Lane joined the Heavenly Bodies with Dr. Tom Pritchard, which in your own thinking there led to the Smoky Mountain you know, becoming a thing. And then that's when he was in the heavenly bodies. And honestly, they were a great tag team too. 
very Midnight Express-ish, that, you know, that kind of deal. You know, then, of course, Bobby passed in 2021, which officially ended the Rock and Roll Midnight feud. I don't think there'll ever be another tag team feud like it. You know, I don't think there'll ever be a singles feud like it. Arguably, you know, you could say that there has never been a feud like this one. The Midnight's absolutely need to be in the Hall of Fame yesterday. ASAP. ASAP. You know, one thing that kind of reminded me of the Rock and Roll versus Midnight in a newer sense was the Hardy Boys versus Christian and Edge. That one always, to me, had a little bit of a Midnight Rock and Roll feel to it. But anyway, those are my notes on this feud. I think the Midnight and the Rock and Roll, heck, man, again, I just don't know that you'll ever have another feud like it. It's top tag team feud, if not the top feud of all time in in wrestling, in my opinion. It's, um, you know... And the Heavenly Bodies might as well be called the Midnight Express as well. Right. Um, right. Because they they were, you know, just the inclusion of, you know, Stan was around, then Bobby was around, and, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, they might as well be called the, the Midnight Express too. And it, it just furthers the feud when you think about it that way, that uh, these two teams were always – going back and forth uh and you know they they were the perfect he'll and you know you talked about dennis condry leaving you know stan lane bobby eaton is my favorite version of the midnights anyway um, right no no offense to dennis condry no um, but yeah. but stan lane you know stan lane kind of had more of like a an outward arrogance you know what i'm right. saying he had, he had more of that outward arrogance that kind of fit even being a heel even more like Bobby. Bobby was always quiet, you know, just so he, quiet. Yeah. So, just- so he, so he doesn't, he doesn't exude that heel mentality, but, uh, Stan and, and Dennis Condry kind of invo- evokes the kind of Arn Anderson type heel. Yeah. To me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And you had Jim, so they never had to talk ever. They ne- they didn't have to, right? Yeah, it was great. I mean, and that that Jim, when you have a manager with the quick, I mean, he's the Louisville lip. They they, they don't yeah. mean that for nothing. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, like I went, I was on Twitter the other day. You know, those very emotionally mature and extremely reasonable people over on oh, Twitter. Absolutely. You know, the the most understanding folks in the world. Yeah. I was over there and I was saying right up there with the YouTube comment section, right? Yeah, the YouTube comment section also rivals it in the most, you know, reasonable and logical way. With that being said, though, I was typing, you know, what they should do is they should put Dennis and Stan mm-hmm. and have them accept it, obviously. You know, including Bobby, and then have Jim there. So you would have Jim, Dennis, and Stan. And people just fell to pieces. They were like, they were never a tag team. And it's like, dude. I know that. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm not pretending that they were. What I mean is, is obviously one of the greatest of all time cannot be there. Bobby passed. Why not have, you know, it wouldn't be correct anyway if all three of them weren't going in. You know what I mean? And then, of course, you have to have Jim Cornette. And Jim Ross has said that maybe that's what's holding everything up with him going in. But I think so. I think so, too. You got to have Jim Cornette, Dennis, and Stan 
in lieu of Bobby not being there, Bobby would honestly be on the, the list. He would be in there, but of course he can't be there to be in there. So you then have Dennis, Stan, and, and Jim all on the stage together, and that's it. You All three of them go in. They can be called the Midnight Express. The Midnight Express started as a three-man unit anyway with Norville, Austin, Randy Rose, and Dennis Condry. So there's nothing. I mean, the Freebirds went in, and they've had you know several hundred members. No, I'm just kidding, but still. <laughs> anyway, the, the point being, and, and you know, Twitter just fell to pieces. No, you can't put in Stan. You got to put in Dennis and Bobby. Oh, or somebody said, oh, well, you're not going to want to include Bobby? And I'm like, you moron you you're not anyway so that's my conversation with the rock and roll versus midnight express feud and i just love it and honestly it's probably my favorite in my heart my favorite feud of all time so yeah it's 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 great yeah that's all you can say well what is your next one my brother my next one is um maybe for fans Maybe one of the most personal feuds of all time. And that is Brett the Hitman Hart versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Oh, man. Yeah. This might be the most feud of a feuds. (laughs) This is the most feud. Yeah. Yeah. This this feud has kind of got, you'd look at it at times, and uh, I know we've talked about it. uh, You know, we talked about it with Gene there a little bit. I've kind of always leaned more Brett. And nothing against Shawn Michaels, but I think just everything I've learned about Shawn Michaels during this time, during yeah. that time, okay, uh, is is that he was just a a big jerk and hard to work with. Yeah, and so so that kind of makes you lean more towards well, hey, I like Brett better than if he, you know, if he was always going to be a. But there's no doubt that Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest to ever lace him up along with Bret Hart. So you put the two together. And you put some personal feelings in there, yeah, and it, it, it gets real. Um, Absolutely, gets real, you know. And that's what I meant by that. It's the most feud of the feuds, you know, because it's, yeah. dude. I mean, they hated each other, and there was nothing about it that didn't show you that they hated each other. They really hated each other, and you know. <laughs> I know they made up, and I feel like, you know, but you know how Brett is in them grudges, man. <laughs> that- Brett, Brett does turn me off a little bit with those, with his, like, where I guess the point that he can't just in some ways forgive, but, um, and, I, and I know it might be hard. I know, like, he does, he holds a big grudge currently against Goldberg, and I understand that. Uh, you know, Goldberg probably wasn't the safest worker in the world at his point, but... He was kind of created to be a monster, and sometimes I think you lose the um, safety sometimes of being a monster with just trying to do new things. And that kick kind of thing he was doing was kind of a newer thing. Goldberg sound, when I've heard Goldberg talk about it, and and I'm not a big Goldberg mark, and I'm not, you know, I don't hate him. I don't love his work, but he, he meant a lot to wrestling. Goldberg seems remorseful for what happened. You know, I don't think I think if he could change it, he would. Uh, but obviously, he can't. Um, and obviously, Goldberg's probably not the guy to keep bringing it up either. He's probably like, "Okay, dude, I get it. I'm so sorry. Let it go." Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I think the last time I heard him say, he was like, "Dude, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I can't say I'm sorry enough." Apparently, so I mean, 
Yeah, it is a shame, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I would be pissed too because it did cut his career short and cost him millions of dollars. And what was Brett best at? Wrestling, and he could yeah. no longer wrestle, and that's sad, you know. But but back to Sean and Brett. Sorry, I got off. We got off of the uh, a little <laughs> side road there, but they were friends before everything. And I think if you look at what probably started to drive. You know, some of a wedge between them is when they started to vie for that for the top title to get against each other. So I think some jealousy crept in there, and you know they they obviously wanted to, you know, be the top guy and say, "Hey, well, I can do this better than you," and everything like that. So yeah, and I almost think Vince got off on putting them together, pitting them against one another, because you know he knew that he could create reality. I, you know, you almost have to throw Vince in that that feud because mm-hmm. Vince. I feel like I've heard this bit said that Vince actually stoked the flames of that feud. You know, and yeah, you know, Brett felt like he catered to Sean. Sean felt like he was catering to Brett. I feel like Brett had a little more authority on what he was getting. But I also feel like Sean was that undeniable talent that was just, you know, Hey Brett, it's unfortunate, bro, but you're here with me right now. You know, it's like, how would you, you know, if you were, man, I'm trying to think of somebody, it's probably like dusty and, and, and Rick, you know, like, at the same time, they liked each other, but at the same time they were wanting the top spot and, you know, I almost feel like that's part of what made their feud so great. So Yeah, and you got the, you know, Brett didn't like it when Sean posed and play play girl or whatever with the belt, and he thought that was like sacrilege almost. And um, yeah, have you, you know, seen that Bret Hart movie, The Wrestling with Shadows? Is that I, what it is? I, mm, I don't think it's a so. documentary. Man, you got to watch that. You, I, I'm surprised you haven't seen that. But anyway, I've watched it so many times, I can almost quote it. But he, and there's a scene where Brett's at home and his son has on all this HBK gear. And I feel like that's part of what ticked him <laughs> off the boat. Is his son. Yeah, because his son is like idolizing this guy who's being in Playboy. I almost feel like I thought you were gonna ask me if I'd seen the Playgirl pictures. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what what I mean is is the deal that if you have your son and your that's your closest child at home, and you just think that that's what all kids are now doing is basically they're idolizing this. So if his son hadn't have been a fan of HBK, he may not have been as hateful on him morally as he was but who knows that it's it's an interesting thought there and then like uh when dx formed that kind of even more created the divide with uh dx versus the heart foundation um you know and you get the sunny days comment um which was to imply that brett had a affair with sunny when um, from all accounts, he didn't, they might've been friendly to each other, but he didn't. And it was actually Sean and Sonny that had a thing. So 100% they, did. They, they 100% did have a thing. So, um, it's, it, it, it does make it, uh, it does make it awkward. I don't know, you know, if he was just trying to, but Brett took that really personally when, uh, he, Brett did, Brett, uh, Brett's like the, 
the guy's like, it's still real to me, damn <laughs> Hey there, it's Internet's crying wrestling fan, Dave Wells. And you're listening to the Gimme Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. These guys... Keep wrestling still out of me, damn it. Yeah, he is that guy. So, and he, he expects it to be treated that way by everyone. And, you know, some guys just don't do that. You know, some guys don't play that same deal that, that Brett does. And, you know, Brett came from a reality place. If you imagine having your father as one of the greatest shooters of all time. And for those that don't know, shoot means real. If you're a shooter, that means you can get it done on the legit side. So, you know, his dad's a shooter and he obviously expects himself to push a little more reality in his deal. And, you know, Sean is kind of the opposite of that, but also Sean is so spectacular to watch, you know, they're, they're like a yin and yang and, and that's kind of what made their feud so awesome and their matches so great, but you know, also the out of the ring too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, their Iron Man match uh, is just one of the best ever. Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely. know, it's, you didn't think much of I me. Mean, you hear a lot about Flair talking about going our broadways and all this and, but at that point, you didn't really see that a lot on TV or pay-per-view. That was more like house show stuff. And to see see that hour uh, time limit, well, with the, all the different pins and fin- and uh, how whatever, the, I can't even remember what the count was as far as uh, tap outs and pins and all that stuff. Um, Which I always, you know, it's funny. An Ironman match always kind of bugs me. And I kind of like it when they go almost the distance without any taps. Because to me... It's like, okay, he got you in a finisher, and it's like three minutes in, and you tap. You would not normally do that in a normal match. Are right. you Are you only – is the psychology there that you would only do it because you know it won't end the match, and you're trying to get out of that hold? Or mm. – do you know what I'm saying? So like three yeah, minutes yeah, in, somebody taps and it's like, dude, you wouldn't do that in a normal match. If this were like a 30 minute match, you wouldn't automatically tap in three minutes. I know that wouldn't happen. So are you doing it from the perspective save of the punishment to save the punishment, to yeah. save the punishment? Or is it like you're tapping, tapping and, or are you just tapping because you know, it's not going to cost you the match and you can hopefully get a win back or whatever anyway. That's always been my gripe about Iron Man matches, and maybe you guys can explain them to me better in a, in the notes or whatever. But that's my thoughts. Yeah, anyway. and and you know to kind of wrap up talking about the feud, the the Montreal screw job is yeah. one of the most talked about moments in the uh, history of wrestling. Is you know Brett did, Brett was leaving for WCW, get that guaranteed money. He well, he didn't was going to stay the- there. He was going to stay there and right. sign to a 20-year deal or some 10-year, 20-year deal. And Vince was like, I can't afford that. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to break the contract. I can't afford to pay you this. I would rather just give you a buyout. And, and he said, see what they can do for you at WCW. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, and he was going to – so he was going to stay. He wanted to stay. Right. And then, and then Vince, you know, kind of said, no, I can't, I can't do that. Um, and – so then you got Brett doesn't want to drop the title in Canada, supposedly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he was going to maybe just turn it over at raw kind of, um, I know that the undertaker had said, Hey, let me, let me beat him. He'll, 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 he'll lose to me. Um, yeah. And you know, that never worked out. And 
then so the only way they could come up with a thing was I think did Hunter have something to do like saying hey we're you're just gonna have to take it off of him like you're gonna have to cheat him out of it. I think Hunter may have gave some input there and um the way they came up with it they got Earl Hebner to ring the bell when Sean put uh the sharpshooter on Brett and then you get a big loogie in the face for Mr. McMahon for it. So And really set up with the, you know, w- with making McMahon a heel. It took him from this announcer-based character to a very real boss type, which then ultimately leads to him being a, a heel and very hated. And, you know, that it's a great segue, actually, for what we're talking here. But, you know, it, it really start. It was, a, like I said, it was a three-way feud in the long run. Like you have to have, you know, Jim Cornette in the Midnight Express. This one, you had to have Vince McMahon involved to do that. And then I think, yeah, you know, I think Triple H was out there as as somewhat of a protector kind of thing to where it's like if it went south, he was at least there to do something to help. But Mula did it to Wendy Richter when they were getting rid of Wendy Richter and Mula did a quick pin and Wendy jumps up. It's like, what the heck, you know? And yeah. Yeah, but that was kind of one of the first screw jobs. Obviously, there's probably been many, but long story short, this one was definitely the largest. And also, every you know, a lot of guys think it was a work, you know. But I mean, there's still people who think it was a a total work, and that everybody knew about it, and they were trying to trying to do this. I mean, was it? I think Scott Hall is, which is tight with Sean, which almost makes me question everything, you know. But yeah, I mean, like if. I don't know, but it's, but the creation of the Mr. McMahon character, ultimately after that, after the screw job, when he did that interview and he said, Brett screwed Brett. Yeah. Yeah. Let's cut right to the chase. Seven days ago at the Survivor Series, did you or did you not screw Bret Hart? Some would say I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you I screwed him. I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. That that kind of right there is like the cocoon opening on Mr. McMahon to show the villain Mr. McMahon. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And honestly, you know, if you're okay, I'm going to segue that right into what I'm about to talk about, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. It is a no-brainer what I'm about to talk about. In my opinion, this is probably the greatest feud of all time because of probably the, the legend of it, the story it told, the money it made, the business it saved – the channel it changed <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, you know those. so stone cold versus vince mcmahon to me this one is so hard to beat and i have personal favorites that i love that did not make it on this list but i could not if i took all of these off i would still have to leave this one on here so sting in the nwo is really the only feud that came close to this in the wcw in my opinion this might be like i said earlier this may be the goat of feuds you know this was your classic 
hate your boss story. Everybody's had a boss. Everybody's hated one of them. I've had bosses I've loved, thought they were great. I've had bosses that I'd rather never see again. And I'll leave it at that. You know, <laughs> Vince had turned semi-heel following the Brett screw job that we just talked about. Austin was the perfect no nonsense working man opponent. He was he was awesome. He he didn't take no crap from anybody. He was just going to do it like he needed to do it. In 1998, WWE was losing to WCW and they had been doing this for 83 weeks or so. And honestly, this one kept them above water and this one kept them alive. You know, at Mania 14, Vince said he didn't want Austin as champion. So what he did is he hires Mike Tyson to ensure that that doesn't happen. Well, we all know how that one went. Tyson does a little screw job, you know, and ends up knocking out Sean and Austin wins the title and it worked out perfectly. But man, that lead up to that Austin up in, you know, Tyson's face. It was so, it's so legendary after that match. Vince becomes obsessed with getting the belt off of Austin. And so what happens is, is Kane ends up coming in. He wins the belt for one night at King of the Ring 98 and actually loses it the very next night on Raw back to Austin. Vince actually vacates the title after a failed triple threat with Kane and Taker, where they basically both want the belt so they both pin him and then that can't happen because that's not a good finish so they vacate the title so austin is on the chase again so he jumps in the 99 rumble and he actually ends up losing it to mcmahon (laughs) he wins the title back at the saint valentine's massacre after he beat the i can figure out of vince mcmahon you know we're about yeah, and then that leads into this the corporate ministry saga, which is some great stuff. You know, some some crazy stuff where Vince's family becomes involved, and Undertaker's you know in the feud, and you know obviously Sean had gone out after the Mania 14 to get back surgery. He was not doing well, takes some time off, so then becomes the Undertaker as his main feud, and of course the corporate ministry that was some cool stuff. You know that. That fed us the greatest tag team of all time. Who's that, Jared? The APA. (laughs) (laughs) And damn. Anyway, (laughs) you know, Austin actually gets hit with a car and they don't know who it is. So he puts him out for nine months. Well, when he comes back, he's on the hunt after the nine months off. I don't remember if he was just taking time off to get some things taken care of. I can't remember what it was, but he took off nine months. He comes back and Rikishi actually ends up admitting that he hit him with the car. And so Austin is on the chase again for the belt. He wins the 2000 Royal Rumble and became a heel. So he wins the title at the 2000 rumble and mcmahon walks out and he shakes his hand austin has said that he wishes instead that he would have changed the story kicked him in the gut stunned him and kept it going but unfortunately you know honestly this is kind of the true it's kind of the semi end of their great feud and then the invasion angle and it kind of led austin to becoming like a softer funnier character he's not Yeah, what? What? Anyway, exactly. And so McMahon gets mad at him, and he's like, dude, you know, 
I want your old self back. Get evil. And then what ends up happening is that ends up biting Vince in the butt because then he turns on Vince and defects to the Alliance and becomes the leader of the WCW crew. And so after the invasion, Austin no-shows and Vince fires him legitimately. So Austin takes his, he says, I took my ball and went home. Went home. And that's just, he's done that twice, I think. And Vince actually legit fires him. And so Austin comes back as a GM because his neck issues were causing him to to basically want to retire. He does some great matches with the Rocket Mania, ends up retiring. And the feud ends, or did it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, because every time Vince, you know, Vince and Stone Cold are on the same screen, there's always that level of like, is he gonna, is he gonna, is he gonna, is it gonna happen? Eh, you know. How many members of the McMahon clan have taken a stunner? Oh, I mean, I'll say many, but none worse than McMahon himself. Ah, <laughs> uh, Linda McMahon's is the worst. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That That is horrible. I mean, it's just a complete miss. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's got to be one of the kids of Shane's or Hunter and Stephanie that has got to take a stunner one of these days. Totally. Absolutely. To make it a, to make it a three generation stunner. Oh yeah, completely. You know, and Vince, I think probably not going to wrestle ever again, I would hope, but also, <laughs> yeah, stone cold. He looks like he could always go at it, you know, but anyway, that that's, that's me talking about the stone cold versus Vince McMahon feud. And honestly, truthfully, that was the one, this was the, the feud that made me change the channel to from WCW. Usually, you know, it, it won the war too. It did. It absolutely did. You know. Yeah, whether it was whether WCW was on the decline anyway, it won the war. Uh, you know, getting to see Stone Cold just torment Vince McMahon made people change the channel, and it won the war. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, what's your next one? Well, so I originally wanted to just say it as like a one v one thing, but what I came down to in the end when I was making my list is it always seemed like it was this one versus this group. And I'm talking about the American dream, Dusty Rhodes versus the four horsemen. Oh yeah, daddy. So, you know, the four horsemen were formed in 1985, thanks to Arn Anderson's quick phrasing. And it always seemed like after then from 85 to 87, really that anytime it was, Flair and Dusty, the horsemen were somewhere around the corner. And then yeah. you could get you could get Magnum helping Dusty, Barry Windham, the Rock and Roll Express, Nikita, Nikita. the yeah. Road Warriors, Ronnie Garvin, any of those helping yeah. out Dusty. But what always remained the same is that I mean, I feel like Dusty had feuds with Flair, with Arn, with Tully, you know, Arn and Tully, Arn and Ole. I mean, like it was just a great feud and it felt real. I mean, you know, I've heard the stories of them buying fur coats that, <laughs> you know, maybe dusty went and got one and then flair got a bigger one. And then dusty went back and got a bigger one. Then flair got it, come back and got a bigger one. So in some ways it feels like it should be dusty and flair in the feud, but I just couldn't count out the horsemen and what they meant to coming in and what they break dusty's ankle. And Oh yeah. I mean, all that stuff. It just, and there's stories of, uh, is it Philadelphia or something like that, where they were uh, in a cage or 
something like that. And they went in and then the fans got so close. They didn't know if they were going to be able to make it back out of the ring. Yeah. Like it was so like, and I, I can't remember how it all ended, but they basically, I think some faces, some had to come out and help them kind of clear the, uh, clear the way for them to get out because it was just like, they were, the the fans were pressed up against the cage, basically. So, and I love that feud that he had with Tully. I think that's one of the best too. When he oh. was working Tully, you know, and especially at that Starcade, you know, the Night of the Skywalkers. I love that one. Yeah, it's it's so great, and I feel like that just the back and forth that they could have in the promo. Hard times, Daddy. You don't know about hard times. Yeah, hard times working thirty years, doing a very poor <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, guys. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but. But you know, just the just the everyman promos from Dusty and the arrogant top one percent from Ric Flair and the rest of the horsemen just fit so nicely into what Jim Crockett promotions was trying to do at the time. And you know, that's why it felt it felt real. I mean, it did. Yeah. But they had, you know, ultimate respect for each other. They always had great chemistry in the ring too. Um, you know, all those guys could work. So yeah. it didn't take much to, to make it great. What, what do you, what's your, like, when you think of dusty versus the four horsemen, you, you got like a, like a specific thing you could think of. It was like, man, that's like, well, you know, my, one of the things that always stuck out to me is, is I've heard flair talk about this, that dusty was a Celtics fan and flair was a Lakers fan. And that makes so much sense down yeah. to the fact that, you know, you look at dusty, who's like the working man, every man. And that's kind of like Larry bird and the Celtics were from a working man, city working man from Indiana, you know, rural town in Indiana. Then you've got magic and Showtime and Kareem and and the greatest. You know, the some of the some of the greatest players of all time on a team in L.A. The glitz, the glamour. You know, knowing that they liked those teams, it would only make sense. It would never make sense that Flair would be a Celtics fan or Dusty would be a Lakers fan. It just wouldn't make sense. So that one it always stuck out to me as something that stuck out. But you know, again, Arn's promos during that time, Dusty. You know. I love they when they break his arm and they follow him to like the studios or something and and it's always questionable because at that time you know Dusty's like make it good or break it good or whatever yeah yeah make it good ah! and it's like does he mean like make it good like you better do it you better if you don't you know yeah. But it also kind of seemed like he's telling him do like make it look good, and he didn't know he was going to catch it on camera or something. But I don't know. I always took it as the other. It's like you better do it right because if you don't, I'm coming to kill you. You know. So yeah. How, I mean, it's how unfortunate is it that uh, we never could get Cody Rhodes versus Reed Flair? Oh, I know, I know. I mean, it's unfortunate for many reasons, but I mean, many, but, many reasons. Yeah. But for sure, you know, I, it's, it's just, that's unfortunate because I, I, you know, Cody came out when Cody first came out, you know, people say, okay, Dusty's son, but he was a Ric Flair. I mean, he down to the boots that the, he wore the, the knee pads like him. He mm-hmm. mat, you know, the, the semi matching boots and trunks. I mean, he had the CR on his trunks. It was, it was, he was almost a Ric Flair gimmick at first, but you know, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just a great feud and it's probably the, one of the most memorable from my childhood 
because uh, we were big Crockett fans. So we saw oh, a lot yeah. of Cro- we saw a lot of Crockett wrestling back then. So oh yeah, that was the stuff to us. And to know you know the Dusty Horseman feud, we actually had a listener Stephen Brandt on Twitter when I posted the first coming soon of this show that we're about to drop here. You know he posted Dusty and the Horseman, and I said, well, I think you're going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like, it's just, uh, it, it's timeless. Absolutely timeless. And there's nothing better than the war games, you know, when he would enlist the road warriors there and he would have somebody else there and they would end up, it would either, you know, Nikita and the road warriors and, and Dusty and the war games versus the horsemen. That's some of my favorite stuff that if you were to say, Jared, you know, Jimmy, if you were to say, Jared, I'd be like, well, are you talking to yourself? But if you're to say, Jimmy, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite match? I think definitely the war games matches are, are high up there. You know, the Tully dusty at, at the Skywalkers match is great. And of course, any dusty and Rick at any Starcade you ever have, those are awesome. But I love those war games, man. Those war games are like the Royal rumble to me. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, what what do you think uh, Road Warrior Hawk's uh, blood pressure or pulse rate was on the outside prowling when he was waiting to get in? I mean, <laughs> it was off the charts, I guarantee it. He was like that. He was like a cat. You know what I mean? He was like a leopard or like a lion out there just stalking. He was like a prey. He was like a dad waiting for his kid to be born in the waiting room. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I've never just pacing heard that. back and forth. Just pacing back and forth. I mean, like I don't Can't know do nothing. You you have nothing probably, to do with it, You know. So I'd probably been like, dude, calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but it it built the anticipation. Oh, it did. It was great. You know? It was great. Yeah. And, and did the did the good guys did the good guys ever win the the coin toss? <laughs> no, never. It yeah. was always the bad guys always got the two had the advantage. Yeah, always had yeah. the advantage. But you know that's that's how it goes. But unfortunately, there's never going to be another one like this one for sure. So no, yeah. Well, we could talk about them all day, and you know, there's several we left out, and yeah, we apologize for that, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of named off the list earlier, and you and, did you, know, you did a yeah. great job with that. Yeah, but it was just to kind of represent that we know the feud's there. We know that they exist, and we know that there's a million more. I mean, you could talk Lawler, Dundee. You could talk a million more. But when it came down to it, these were the Mount Rushmore of our great, you know. These are the Mount Rushmore of the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling wrestling feuds so i think that's it for this topic i think next mount rushmore is i want to do the mount rushmore of big men of of the big guys Uh, yeah i've kind of fallen down a big john stud rabbit hole lately and you know so i don't know maybe you know that reminds me of something i i I think what is it chic you fell down a rabbit hole I, i might have fell down a rabbit hole or two on youtube well, maybe we'll, uh, let, let's talk more about that after these messages. We'll be right back. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. The He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it. Mike Jablonski. To the monster movie Stop Down with me, Stoppy, and my little brother Frank. Hi, I'm Frank. <laughs> yes, you are. So join us, Sludge, 
Mark, and Ruben as we review monster movies from all around the world. And don't forget about the monthly contest and trivia. That's right, peasants. You'll find extra content like the Underdogs, Monster Match Wednesdays, Friday Night Fights, each week exclusively on our Facebook and Instagram. So, please join us at the Monster Movie.com. Your one-stop chop for monster movie reviews, interviews, news, contests, and of course, me, Stumpy. And Frank. All right, we are back, and I think we alluded to something just before the break here, but recently, Sheik, you did something that you, you'd like to do a lot. Man, I just get to surfing YouTube, and you know, I'll be watching a video on this, 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 watch some YouTube shorts. Might catch a Sheik short in there somewhere. Oh, might yeah. Catch a, uh, might catch a Wolfie D uh, video in there talking about Randy Savage or something like that. Uh, you got to check that out. <laughs> Definitely check that out. Uh, I might catch a Jamie Dundee clip uh, when he was on the U shoot <laughs> stuff. That's 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 entertaining. Um, Still getting heat for that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I, I found something that I'd I'd never seen before, and it was the AWA's Wrestle Rock Rumble, and it's complete with a music video. Featuring all your favorite AWA stars of 1986. Well, we'll be right back with the cheek fell down a rabbit hole. DJ, hit that entrance music. Wrestling videos that you got a rabbit hole. Wrestling videos that you got a rabbit hole. Wrestling videos and she got a rabbit hole. She found wrestling videos and she got a rabbit hole. All right, we are back with the Sheik fell down a rabbit hole, and you were saying it, and I think we got to play it. So right now, let's play the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Rock 
trick, Brockwinkle, and I've got a passion. I'll get the title back from the humanoid Hanson. I've got the brains, and I'm not humble. I'll take the belt back and do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Wrestle Rock, April 20th, at the Dome. Wrestle Rock, 86, be there. I won't be through till I get done clapping around Scott the Duke. Gonna beat the ugly bartender into a bundle and laugh all the way doing Wrestle Rock Rumble. This King Talk got a mouth that won't quit, but I'm Scott McGee and wanna smack a little shit. And when I'm through, you won't be able to mumble. I'll be left alone doing the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Yeah! Just one last word from the former champ, Burn, but give it a lot of thought to one more turn. There's some old scores that still give me trouble, and I'm starting to get the urge to do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. So there you have it, and now you know them, and on April 20th, it's at the Dome. So get your ticket to be under the bubble, because you two can be doing the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Do it! Wrestle Rock Rumble. All right, guys, that's the Wrestle Rock Rumble. And first thing I want to say about that is Larry Zabisco was killing it. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could, he could actually go in the, uh, in the singing. Yes. Uh, yes. And, you know, also honorable mention for, for doing great Nick Bockwinkle. I mean, who would have thought Nick Bockwinkle could have, would have even wanted to do this, let yeah. alone done great at it. And it's probably, I read a comment on the video I watched on YouTube. They're like, they're like, yeah, Nick Bockwinkle probably just showed up, did one take, and left, and like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I got that one. Knocked it out, right? And yeah. Sean and Marty did good. They made, you know, they had to, I think, right? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, Vern. Um, love Vern, but he, he he just didn't fit with that, with no. that spot. Um, Greg. You no. Know, love you, Greg, but oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And poor, uh, you know, these guys are not musicians so their their no. their idea of timing for a song is not always the perfect but you know i would say that my greg might have been the worst you know <laughs> <laughs> ken resnick probably set uh he sets back uh rhythm for for people like about 90 years so yeah uh if you, you have to watch the video on youtube to see his rhythm it's yeah off, but um that's a, you know, I, I I saw something that talked about Crusher Blackwell, um, in his lines. Yeah, he couldn't read. So oh wow! Oh wow! So, so they just kind of they kind of just had to let him go with it. And he okay. didn't do bad, but it was just like it, it was. You know, he he didn't kind of get the best, but he he couldn't read. Supposedly is what I heard. I think from Scott Hall or something like that. And um, Scott Hall dated one of the. Uh, models that showed on there he said for a while yeah yeah uh he uh him and kurt hitting getting pushed into the pool by the models is pretty good and see some of that stuff was done at like vegas but it was the event was at the metrodome in 
in Minnesota. So I, I kind of, it kind of get thrown off by thinking, is it in Vegas or what? But it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's in, it's in Minnesota with the Metrodome. It's the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. So, but they do throw in those Vegas type mid things through the song, and yeah, like there's like Playboy models of some fake, kind of Vegas, Vegas fake thing. Maryland, fake Elvis impersonators. Yeah, so yeah, but I do agree. I think Zabisco was the best out of the bunch. Uh, it was Zabisco, then Bachwinkle, and then the rest really fall off. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, there, there is a mid tier, but we're just. We're just going for eight here there, but it's it's worth a watch, guys. It's it's very eighties. If you're a kid of the eighties yeah. like we are, it's very eighties. It's um it, it it's just it's just something I'd never seen and it was a very interesting. I love when you fall down a good rabbit hole, you know? <laughs> yeah. I fell down some bad ones before. So it's, Oh, it's, we all have, man. And I think that's where the term comes from. But at the same time, hey, I'm glad you're falling down some good rabbit holes here. You really got to check it out for yourself, guys. But uh, yeah, it's you, you get to see Bruiser Brody in it. It's, it's pretty. He doesn't actually do anything the Sheik does for him, but it's a uh, yeah. She had on and he doesn't do horrible. I mean, he keeps the voice, you know, of course yeah, it's a yeah. legit, you know, legit accent, you know, legit not, accent. Omar Al-Kazan here. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're actually a real, you know, Iraqi. So anyway, yeah, well, that was a great sheik. She fell down a rabbit hole. All right, Sheik. Well, that was awesome, man. I really enjoyed the Sheik fell down a rabbit hole today. The wrestle rock rumble. So, you know, I just want to thank you all. Y'all listeners are the best. Y'all, you know, we've been in the top 200, you know, with the Dave Milliken episode, we've, we've honestly been in the top 200 for weeks now. And, you know, when we get in the top 100, I'm, I'm stoked about that. But when we're in the top 200, man, that just means so much to us because there are literally probably thousands of wrestling podcasts you know whether you include the youtube you know whether it's solely youtube guys or they're just a kid who started one and never did anything with it you know to me it means so much to me that you all listen to us enough that actually keeps us in that top 200 i was blown away we were in it for you know longer than we've been in a while and i'm just you know Honestly, it just means so much because the Wolfie D show, it doesn't surprise me that that's in the top 200. But when it comes to our show, you know, it's just us. We're just, like I said, we're just two kids, Southwest Virginia, the Southwestern part of Virginia. There you go. There you (laughs) go. And, and I mean, we just do what we, we're just having a fun time with it. So we thank you all so much. Of course, at GMBMPW on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Really means a lot if you follow us on those pages. We got a Facebook group, we got a Twitter, we got an Instagram, we got YouTube, we got all that. And you know, just follow us on there. Another thing, again, I hate to say it a million times, but rating and reviewing guys means so much to us. It, it just to see the the notes that you all put in there, it it's just really appreciated. But at the same time, if you just put in a star rating, I'm okay with that. Anything like that helps because what it does is it it helps with everything in the support of that. It, it's free too to just click the five stars. It's free. That's all you have to do. We'll take the standard Meltzer five star rating. Yeah, the, the the standard Meltzer five. I love it. And then also on our YouTube page, y'all, I'm doing my very best to try to 
put out some incredible stuff on YouTube that may not always be the normal type stuff. We've always got our chic shorts. Of course, we've got the past episodes of Jablonski's Pissed Off. If you want to enjoy those, those are always a good time to watch. And like, subscribe, and another thing is share it. Y'all that share, I mean, guys, it means so much. Wayne G, Macaronin, all you guys on the Twitter pages that share our stuff. Eddie Austin, y'all are the best. Y'all really mean a lot. Not only to the Wolfie D show, you always share that, but you actually share the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling stuff. And guys, I can't tell you how much that means to me that y'all do that for us because, you know, we need that. It's the word of mouth that that is helping us get our show out there to people. And we're on a zero budget. <laughs> We're balling on a budget. We're not paying our guests. We're not We're not doing all these crazy things. All we're doing is simply just trying to have fun and talk about pro wrestling. So once again, just thank you all so much for listening. Come back next time. I think we're going to have a cool episode. Not sure what it is yet, but you'll see the promotion for it soon. And again, you know, just we thank you all so much. She- like you, I mean, I can't say enough. We just appreciate the listeners that they uh, actually tune in to hear us talk about this stuff and are interested to hear us talk about these things. And um, yeah, yeah, we, we hope we're doing a good job. We think we, we've done uh, pretty solid by you guys. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it coming. We'll keep it coming. And, you know, with that being said, I think we're going to wrap today's show up again. It was the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling feuds. And we hope you enjoyed it. You know, the, the one of the other things I want to say real quick is whenever I hear that somebody's wanting to be on the show as they listen, you know, so many guys are saying, you know, like Gene one time said, hey, I wanted to just chime in on something y'all said. And that means, I mean, that's amazing because that that's the kind of the idea of this too, is, you know, that you feel what we're saying. So again, like Sheik said, we thank y'all so much. It's humbling that you all listen to us and we'll see you next time with more from give me back my pro wrestling. Thanks again. Don't forget fight a feud. (laughs) And we're ready for the feud (laughs) with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.